You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex-cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. Are you ready to dive in? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. Today, we are talking about the temptation of food and how just looking at a food or having the visual trigger of something delicious can lead you into a spiral of overeating or back into what I call unwanted eating habits, meaning undesirable behaviors around food that keep you from feeling your best or reaching your goals. So in today's episode, I'm going to explain some of the science and kind of bring it down to layman's terms so you can better understand why just seeing a food that looks delicious can be so hard to resist. And then I'm going to give you a few tips to help you move forward with this knowledge, how to apply it into your own life to modify your own eating behaviors. And I'm gonna use a lot of examples with the holiday season because I'm recording this in October, which means we are approaching the season of holiday parties. Yes, it's my favorite season, but I know it can be a bit stressful if you have a complicated relationship with food. I get it, I do, because I've been there and Honestly, me and Megan say this all the time. We are dietitians because we've experienced these turmoils with food. We know how it can be exhausting, constantly worried about what you're eating and thinking about dieting and being insecure with your body. And the holiday season can be really, really triggering for some people, not only because there are a lot more food options and there are a lot more parties and treats and opportunities to go off the rails, but also if you are surrounded by family who um, may not make you feel the best about yourself, or maybe they're always talking about their body image or their diets, if you're really working towards improving your relationship with food and becoming a better version of you, uh, losing weight in a healthy, sustainable way, being around Aunt Carol while she's talking about her keto, paleo, dumbo bullshit that she's following this month, can make you feel like you're doing something wrong. And so I want to encourage you to seek out support and help and try not to let those people and their talks around body image and diet deter you from the path. And before I get into today's episode, I'm gonna use this opportunity to just let you know about a program that Megan, the other dietitian at Nutrition Awareness, does with me. Uh, We do a program called the Daily Accountability Program. And it's a 30-day virtual goal acceleration and habit reformer program where we not only teach you what you should be doing to help you reach your long-term health goals in a healthy, sustainable, realistic, and might I say extremely personalized way to you, but we hold you accountable to these goals every single day for 30 days. We call this program DAP for short, 
It's spelled D-I-P, kind of like W-A-P, <laughs> but it doesn't stand for something like W-A-P, if you know what I'm saying. You don't need a bucket and a mop <laughs> for the D-A-P, but you do need a smartphone and a positive attitude. <laughs> Is that cheesy? That's literally all you need to be successful for D-A-P. So. We have an application for this daily accountability program. It is on our website at nutritionawareness.com backslash coaching. You just scroll to the bottom and there's an application. And this program is for somebody who maybe they have an idea of what they should or shouldn't be doing, but for some reason they cannot stay consistent with a healthy eating plan. They keep trying over and over again. They need that accountability to help them see their goals through. So we hear a lot from previous DAP clients that the reason they started the DAP program is because they would start a diet on Monday, even if it was something simple, just like cutting back on sugar or not drinking any soda. But by Thursday or Friday, they would talk themselves into having one little something something. And the next thing you know that they're back in their old habits, they are overeating and they're not getting anywhere. They're just hitting a wall. So DAP is really cool because We go through an initial call with you where we ask you a bunch of questions about what you're eating now, uh, how you live your life, cravings, struggles, diets you've tried, your ultimate goals, all these fun things to help us get a better understanding of what you need to be successful. And then we give you action steps to start taking ASAP and help make sure that you're prepared to take those action steps, that they're actually realistic for you, your lifestyle, Whatever it is that you need, we make sure it's tailored to you. And then here is the icing on the cake. We hold you accountable to these actions and we challenge you throughout 30 days to stay consistent. And let's say that these actions that you have to take to, let's say, lose weight uh, become too easy, right? You automatically are just getting into a good groove. Well, then we challenge you to take it up a notch so that you get better results that you're looking for. So if this sounds like something you're even just slightly interested in, it is 100% free to apply on nutritionawareness.com backslash coaching for the DAP program. Free takes like five minutes. Megan and I will look at your application and if we feel like you're a good fit, we will invite you to move forward in the application process. Uh, We do only take a few clients each per month. We are working on probably increasing that number just because the demand is getting a bit higher. Uh, We started with five each, but I think we both feel that we can can move that number up a little bit. Uh, But we do look at your application and invite you to move forward if it seems like a great fit. And if it's not a great fit, we're still gonna reach out to you and help you find other alternatives that's best suited for your needs. So maybe you think you need a lot of accountability, but honestly, you might just be looking for an out. (laughs) Well, we're going to challenge you to find different coaching options, whether that's from us or somebody else. So go ahead and apply if this even sounds interesting to you. It's risk-free and you still get to talk to Megan and I, which (laughs) might I say I think is a treat. (laughs) Okay, so let's go ahead and get into today's episode, which, you know, could be really helpful if you do apply for DAP on working towards. So if you feel like you're somebody who just at the sight of food feels so out of control or tempted. Let's say that you are driving to Target and you literally are just going to Target to buy cleaning supplies, whatever. I don't know, whatever you buy at Target, there's so much crap there, right? And on the way to Target, you see a billboard for Jimmy John's sandwiches. And for some reason, they have a big 
Coca-Cola on the billboard and it's fizzy and it's delicious. And then that sub sandwich with the mel- with the cheese and the lettuce and the, oh, uh, well, you love Jimmy John's and maybe you weren't even thinking about food, but just the sight of that makes you want to swerve off the road and run inside and get a sandwich or a cookie or a soda or just something that you don't need. And this is because when you eat really delicious palatable foods, your brain remembers that experience as good. (laughs) Do I sound like a caveman? That experience good, Kate-like food. Yeah, well, that's what your brain, that's like the rate that your brain operates at, right? You get this dopamine rush in your brain that's associated with pleasure. So you feel really good when you eat foods associated with pleasure. And I'm thinking dairy, sugar, really high fat foods, bread, carbs, refined carbs, uh, something with a really crispy texture like Lay's potato chips. I mean, they say you can only eat just one or bet you can't eat just one for a reason, right? Because when you eat that crispy, salty, pleasant, crunchy chip, Mm, you just feel like I want that experience again. And so you reach back in the bag and you get it again. And this is not by accident, right? I mean, the chips are addictive for a reason. In fact, the combination of these ingredients and food products are intentionally designed and tested within these food companies to make them light up those pleasure centers in your brain. So let's say you dunk a double stuff Oreo, the perfect combination of sweet and crunchy and creamy into a cold glass of milk or milk alternative because it's 2020. Anyone who has experienced this flavorful and textural experience knows how friggin' good it feels. It's like, oh, all the pain in the world just disappears and your smart little brain takes note at how delicious this food combination is, and it files it away in a little mental file cabinet labeled pleasurable or something. Honestly, I think there's a SpongeBob episode like this for all of my 90s and 80s kids who remember (laughs) watching SpongeBob where he's in his brain filing away memories. Anyway, that's like what's in your brain. There's a little file cabinet of pleasurable experiences. And so this recollection of a good eating experience can be what motivates you to eat a specific food, no matter how consciously you don't want to or tell yourself not to, just at the mere sight of something like an Oreo with a glass of milk, right? You're minding your own business and the next thing you know, your brain sees that picture of the coca-cola next to let's say it's mcdonald's and it's crispy salty french fries your brain lights up and it's like yes i remember that feeling and i want it again go get that feeling girl who cares if you're going to be late to your meeting you need a coke right now and er, next thing you know you're ordering a large coke and a medium fry and hell why not a large it's only 50 cents extra give me a large fry right so oreos and milk fizzy sugary cold soda salty, crunchy fries. Those are what we call hyper palatable foods. Hyper palatable foods. I'm going to refer to that a few times in this episode. And those are foods that are made with a mix of ingredients that light up that brain reward neural circuit in your brain. And it will overpower these mechanisms that we have that are supposed to signal when we've had enough to eat, aka those hormones that say, hey, girlfriend, yeah, you're full. We don't need any more food. Well, these pleasurable feelings overpower that control method. 
And so these foods that we are drawn to, they're not usually broccoli, <laughs> right? They're not broccoli, they're not grilled chicken, they're not brown rice or steamed veggies. No, these are really high calorie, fatty, salty, sugary, ooey gooey, delicious foods. And because these foods essentially enhance the rate and frequency and amount at which we consume, overweight and obesity can be the result. And if we want to talk about medical conditions, you can also get unwanted side effects over time, including high cholesterol, triglycerides, blood pressure, blood sugars, all of those things that can lead to chronic disease. Now, the frequency and volume at which someone indulges in these hyperpalatable foods can be also what makes someone feel compelled to keep eating past the point of physical discomfort, to ignore those control mechanisms, because the brain is chasing an increasing level of pleasure. It's kind of like an alcoholic, your tolerance builds up. Now here's where it can be really tricky because it's not an issue if you enjoy a small serving or bite of these pleasure-inducing foods once in a while, right? I mean, two Oreos or a serving of Lay's potato chips would hardly make a dent, and some french fries wouldn't even kill you to have once a week, right? In fact, most of us know someone who can eat a few bites of something, sit back with half of it still on their plate, and pat their belly saying something like, wow, that was tasty, I'm stuffed. <laughs> Do you know someone like that? Just so you know, that was never me, but I have so many friends who just naturally are able to stop eating addictive foods without any trouble, it seems. But I'm what one of my clients <laughs> coined as the clean plate club. I thought that was hilarious. And the only requirements to be in this club is to finish every last morsel of food on your plate, no matter how hungry or not hungry you are, because there are kids starving in Africa, you ungrateful little you-know-what. <laughs> Anyone else grew up in a household where you weren't allowed to have dessert or you were expected to finish your dinner uh, to entirety? That can often wire us to overeat as adults. Now, I don't want to say that if that's you, because I know that was me. I always felt like I had to eat everything, or I felt really rushed to eat as a kid. I'm not really sure why. I haven't figured that out. And I know I still feel that way now when I eat at home because my dog watches me and it makes me feel rushed. But being mindful of these unwanted eating behaviors is really helpful, and it's the first step. You need to become aware of triggers or cues for unwanted eating behaviors. So if the visual cue of a food is something that's triggering you, we need to get to the bottom of how to either lessen the visual triggers and change our behavior. And more so the second, more so the latter, because it's 20th, you know, it's 2020, right? 21st century, I'm getting all my 20s mixed up here. We cannot escape the food industry. We can't not go to the grocery store. We can't not drive down the street and see photos. So we have to rewire ourselves to change how we react to these visual cues. And that starts with uh, practicing mindfulness, right? So whether an overeating episode is triggered by emotions such as stress or sadness, or simply the desire to keep eating a food because it looks and tastes good, this can become a problem over time if we don't interrupt that pattern. So as we transition into the holiday season, tempting foods tend to make an appearance in our lives even more often than they already do, right? Womp womp. It's a great thing, but it can also be a triggering thing, like I said at the beginning of this episode. 
You may have your home, or even if you're back in the office, uh, your environment there might be fairly under control, which if it's not, that's the first thing I would encourage you to do is to check your home environment or the environments that you are directly able to influence and begin to remove some of those things from your immediate um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your immediate grasp <laughs> to help you overcome some of these habits. Eventually you can work back in those triggering foods into your home, but first it takes a little bit of mindfulness and practice and teaching yourself to comfort yourself in ways that don't involve food or to respond to cues differently. But since the holiday season is now upon us, how are you going to navigate this outside world consisting of potlucks, uh, socially distanced potlucks and parties, Halloween candy, leftover treats that people are bringing in or dropping off or leaving at your house. Of course, there's Thanksgiving leftovers and baked goods and blah, blah, blah. So the first step is what I would say is uh, what I would call actually is check your ego, right? And what do I mean by this? Well, I'm gonna say something that is going to hit a lot of people right where it hurts, sucker punch them. And it's this, just because you have had one bite of a quote unquote naughty food, or you had a piece of something that you normally wouldn't because you for some reason think it's bad, it's all relative, right? But here's what I wanna tell you. Just because you had one bite or piece does not mean you've just ruined it all. And saying that you've just ruined it all, that you might as well just keep on going, is actually an excuse not to change. It's an excuse to do what's comfortable and stay the same. So there's a little voice inside of us that often says something like, you know, see, you already messed up today by eating and going over your calories with chips and dip. You might as well just finish them off and hell, while you're at it, eat extra dessert. You can always do more cardio and cut carbs on Monday, blah, 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 blah. That's an excuse, guys. It's, uh, it takes some self-regulation and self-awareness to recognize if you're one of those people that tends to be an all or nothing um, type of person when it comes to food. I see this happen a lot in perfectionists and overachievers who tend to go zero to 100 with everything they do. This excuse subconsciously serves as a way to allow you to keep chasing after that pleasurable feeling that you get when you're associated with food. It's a great cop-out for that instant gratification of tasting delicious food, right? In fact, visual cues of food often set off this all-or-nothing narrative. It's a snowball effect that might go something like this, right? You, Let's say you have a holiday party coming up and you do not want to overdo it. So in an effort not to overdo your eating, because you don't trust yourself around these foods, you swear you will not even eat anything besides the main course, right? No appetizers, no desserts, no drink. So you show up and at first it's all right, but then you see that buffalo chicken dip, that homemade buff dip with your favorite tortilla chips and they're all different colors. They're like green and red festive tortilla chips and they're so salty and you're like no bad girl and you like slap your wrist you're like I won't eat that and then you see across the room your aunt Sharon's eating it and you're like okay just avoid aunt Sharon she doesn't care anyway she's just naturally got a fast metabolism she can eat that I can't so then you find Carl and you go talk to Carl and you tap Carl on the shoulder hey Carl happy holidays he turns around and oh my gosh his mouth is 
full of chips and dip. He's like mid crunch when you see him and he's like, oh, and you guys hug and you're like, oh my God. So then Carl ropes you in a conversation. How's the new job? How's the boyfriend? You're like, oh, what boyfriend? But all you can think about is watching Carl eat that buffalo chicken dip and it's like dripping off of his corner of his mouth (laughs) like I'm getting kind of sexual with this but you can picture it and when you are so hyper focused on not eating a food you notice weird things like that because you're so obsessed and eventually you're like okay you know what I can't take this anymore I can't get away from Carl so I'm just you know I'm just gonna have one little taste of that buff dip before it's all gone I mean one taste isn't gonna kill me but then boom oh it tastes so dang good and you're like okay just one more chip Okay, two. Okay, I accidentally grabbed like the chip that's stuck to another chip, so we'll just stop at three. Screw it. You know what? You already broke your promise not to have the appetizer. So then you start talking to yourself. Well, you know, if you're going to have the buff dip, you might as well go for a couple of those cream cheese pin- pinwheels and some mini baked breeze with cranberry sauce while you're at it. Hopefully you don't have a dairy intolerance because otherwise you're going to have a rough time tomorrow. But the next thing you know, You've already eaten way more than you normally would have, right? And you're feeling like you've ruined your progress or blew your diet because you weren't perfect. And that one mindful indulgence that you could have let yourself had was blown out of proportion because you were fixated on that 100% in or not at all mindset. In this case, you become your own worst enemy. Overeating leads to mental, emotional, and physical discomfort. And I recently talked about this on an Instagram post. Our Instagram is at nutrition.awareness if you're interested. But the discomfort is physical because it comes from that bloating and just the ugh feeling of being too full where you can't even like sit down or stand up without wanting to burp. Mental because you feel tired and low energy because you dumped a bunch of food on your body's system at once and that takes a lot of energy to break down. And it can be emotional for some people because you might start speaking negatively to yourself, calling yourself a failure, or you may experience feelings of guilt and shame. And then those feelings could restrict you or, you know, drive you to restrict calories the next day. And then you just get back into the cycle of restrict binge, restrict overeat, and food begins to take over your life. Now, if this is you, please don't beat yourself up. If you are the kind of person who is constantly labeling foods as good and bad and creating rules as an attempt to control your diet. I want you to know that you are not alone. A lot of people experience this. They just don't talk about it. And it's almost culturally acceptable to follow diets. I think women especially have been conditioned by diet culture to think that if they're not following a specific eating program 100% on point, then they have failed. But this is simply false. I promised you there is no perfect diet plan. Therefore, it is impossible to be perfectly in line with some kind of eating pattern. It does more harm than good. And working diligently to recondition yourself to break free of unhelpful food rules is quite helpful. The second thing you should know about food is you need to know how your attitude around food impacts your dependence. So what do I mean by this? Well, I first am hesitant to say that foods are addictive because the research is so widely debated and it's just not quite convincing enough for me to say, yeah, sugar is addictive. In fact, me and Megan did a podcast about this a while ago, is sugar addictive? And we agreed that no, it's not addictive, but I will say from my own personal and professional experience and understanding as a registered dietitian, ingredients like sugar may not be addictive like nicotine or alcohol, but they can feel that way to an individual. 
And who am I to debate how an experience feels to someone? If someone feels like they're addicted to sugar, I can't argue that. But I will say it's not helpful to use that kind of disempowering terminology around food. So saying I'm addicted to sugar, I'm addicted to carbs, I cannot say no to chips, I have a sweet tooth. Well, thinking this way only enforces those unhelpful narratives. I mean, who wants to be addicted to sugar, right? Nobody. I know it's kind of a woo-hoo way of thinking, but I really believe that our mindset matters when it comes to changing our relationship with food and our behavior around it. So I challenge you to start drawing awareness to how you speak to yourself regarding your relationship with food and your body and to write that down and then rewrite that down in a way that is more empowering. So anything that you don't wish or want to be in a true in a way that promotes a better relationship with food, I want you to rewrite in a context that does. So for instance, if you said, I cannot say no to chips when they're on the table, well, that's disempowering. You should rewrite that to say, I allow myself to have chips without feeling out of control. I can say yes or no, it's all up to me. Or instead of saying I'm addicted to sugar, saying I include sugar in my diet as part of an overall healthy diet, or I include carbohydrates in my diet in the healthiest way possible. I don't feel I am out of control around sugar. I enjoy them and I enjoy them once in a while. Does that make sense? So it all depends on your own personal narrative. And I will say uh, this isn't a topic for this podcast, but this is also very helpful if you talk about your body in a certain way. Uh, If you say like I have the fat gene or I'm just big boned, well, that almost uh, promotes you to behave in a way that has already decided that you are fat or that you are big boned, right? You don't need to talk negatively to yourself about that. You want to change those beliefs to be more empowering. Another thing that you should understand, the third little tip here, is you need to understand why foods can feel or appear addictive in the first place. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying in the very beginning. Companies shovel a ton of money into food product testing, and in order to get a decent return on investment, They want to make sure people not only buy their food in the first place, but then continue to buy it frequently and consistently in large quantities. Now, this is why they create food products that are so hyper palatable. There's that buzzword again. You can have a handful of trail mix and then want to just eat the whole bag. Then the next thing you know, you're at the store next Sunday and you remember that you're out of that chocolatey, crunchy, salty trail mix and as soon as you see the newest seasonal mix at Target with M&Ms and chocolate covered bullshit, remember that pleasurable experience of consuming them and then you feel tempted to buy more. And these hyper palatable foods also, not by accident, look very visually appealing. I mean, they use a lot of fake dyes and colorings to make things exciting, to make them enticing, even for children and adults. There's a lot of pretty pretty packaging and marketing designs and unique campaigns to draw attention to food products. I mean, if we're going to think tangible, think of fast food posters or billboards and packaging on boxed foods. And then also, if you're watching TV or now on social media as advertisements or influencers promoting different foods. I mean, they make their food look delicious and delectable. But I don't know about you guys, but especially at fast food establishments or with packaged boxed goods, the food rarely looks as good as it does on the box. 
And that's not by accident either, right? It's altered and edited just like girls do with their faces on Instagram and their bodies. <laughs> they alter and edit those food products to look better so you crave it. Do you guys all remember Khloe Kardashian's recent photo where she literally just morphed her face to look like something totally different? Well, I think of that when I think of steak and shake and milkshakes <laughs> because <laughs> when you look, okay, so my mom, she's a package designer for, a, she used to be a package designer. And so she'd go to these photo shoots for food and she would tell me for ice cream and the whipped cream on ice cream, it was actually dyed mashed potatoes because ice cream would melt under the lights and it wouldn't like form the nice pleasurable consumer appealing image. And so they would take toothpicks, these food designers who might I say are incredibly talented people. Holy crap, it's an art, just like cake designing and cookie designing. It's an art form, right? So they would take mashed potatoes and food dyes and they would with little toothpicks like draw in the little crevices of the whipped cream and they would sculpt it so it looked like a milkshake. <laughs> and so I think it's Steak and Shake milkshakes and I see those advertisements for them and I'm like, that's like Khloe Kardashian on Instagram. You see her face and then you actually get the milkshake delivered and you see Khloe Kardashian unedited. You're like, these aren't the same products. <laughs> Maybe that's a little bit mean, but <laughs> uh, that that's the best example I can think of. And if you haven't seen this, just Google Khloe Kardashian Facetunes Instagram photo. I mean, literally half of her necklace is missing. It's so bad. That's because she edited it wrong. It was so edited that half the necklace disappeared. It's hilarious. Anyway, I'm getting off track here, but I know that uh, the milkshake on the Steak and Shakes ad isn't really ice cream. It's great, uh, you know, mashed potatoes and food dyes, but it still looks good. And I'm human. I, my brain works the same way as your brain. So I still feel vulnerable to wanting a milkshake just by the sight of it. Those food artists know what they're doing. So take those three tips, your, your ego and thoughts around food, your beliefs about your own eating behaviors, and the visual sense, the visual cues that light up our brain to eat and crave something. Once you understand those three things, then you can equip yourself with the tools to help control your portions and how you behave around these foods. So I'm gonna give you four tips. So this one, for tip number one, um, I kind of mentioned this in the beginning, but you gotta control your environment to the best of your ability. Out of sight and out of mind is a real thing. So if you keep really triggering foods in your house, your office, your car, you might just eat them when you're not hungry or even if you're looking for a healthy alternative, you might just see something in the pantry because you're there and want to eat it. So let's say you're making dinner and you're hungry, uh, you plan on making veggie chicken tacos and even though they only take 15 or 20 minutes to whip up, you see a bag of, I don't know, gummy worms in your cabinet as you hunt for corn tortillas and because you are so hungry, you just mindlessly start eating these gummy worms while you cook. Or let's say you're bored at work and you open your drawer looking for a protractor, if anyone uses those, maybe you're an architect, I don't know what you're doing, uh, and you see a Kit Kat bar and you remember how pleasurable and delicious Kit Kat bars are and your job that you're doing right now is pretty boring. It could use a little pizzazz. And so your brain's like, ooh, we weren't thinking about chocolate crunchy wafers, but now we are. You might close the drawer, but five minutes later, all you see are wrappers on the floor. <laughs> Now, I get it, you can't always control your environment. You can't always decide what's in, you, you know, you can decide what you keep in your drawer, what you keep in your home to a degree, but you can't always control 
what other people bring into your environment. Like I mentioned at the beginning, the holiday season is upon us, which may make you feel more compelled to snack and munch way more than you used to because those treats are just available. And if you listen to episode 26, this is an old episode, it's from last year, it's called The Hauntingly Helpful Holiday Tips for Halloween Parties. I get really specific on tips for Halloween, and there's also episode 27 for holiday sugar cravings. But here are a few to help you get started ASAP if you don't have time to listen to those episodes today. So the first thing is to eat a snack or meal that is balanced and healthy, but also includes a good source of protein before you go to a party, the store, or the potluck. So my recommendation is if you haven't eaten a meal within three hours to have a small light snack, and if it's about four hours till the party to allow yourself to have a high protein balanced meal, four to three hours, I mean. Uh, This may sound a bit counterintuitive, eating before a party, uh, especially if you're trying to lose weight, but here's how it helps. Protein helps keep your blood sugar steady, which can help curb cravings and that hangry feeling you get before you woof down three plates of goodies in a pure blackout. So a snack before a trigger environment will help put you in a better headspace and allow you to make more mindful choices about what and how much you eat. In a similar vein, tip number three is to not skip meals throughout the day in an effort to save calories. So like I said, if you've got three or four hours before a party, having a balanced meal is really helpful. Don't try to skip out on things because you want to allow yourself to eat more. This is a horrible idea for similar reasons. It causes that drop in blood sugar, which may lead to a compulsive urge to overeat. And it's not unlikely that this tactic of trying to, quote, save your calories will backfire because your total caloric intake will end up being way more if you eat it all at once and you're going to feel more physically uncomfortable than if you spread it mindfully throughout the day and then let yourself taste and try a few goodies at said party. When you're fueled, you are more physically and mentally in control of what you choose to eat, even when you are visually triggered by it. You're going to feel less tempted and enticed by that visual. And even if you do decide to eat something you used to label as bad or not clean, you are more equipped to stop consuming it when you're full. The next tip I have for you is to choose what you eat carefully and slowly. Just because something is available doesn't mean you have to try it. I used to have this little um, phrase, if it's free, it's me in college, right? If it's free pizza, we're there. If you get a free t-shirt, I'll sign up, right? We're grown now, guys. That is not helpful. Pick and choose what actually looks good to you. Eat it slowly. And here's the hard part. I know this is the hardest part, is to wait about 20 to 30 minutes before you go back up for more. This not only allows you to savor your food, to actually taste it and experience it, but it gives your body some time to recognize if it's full or if you're actually still hungry. It also gives you more time to decide if you really want or need more, right? It gives you time to take a step back and say, all right, Kate, do you really need seconds or do you just want it because it's there? Nope, okay. I feel good. I can just kind of sit here for a moment and move on and enjoy the party. And guess what? If I'm hungry in two hours, there's probably still going to be something left for me to munch on. 
And if you do feel hungry and you want to go back for seconds, don't be afraid to cut servings in half or just take a little taste of what you like. Just because Aunt Kathy cut the brownies huge doesn't mean you can't get in there with your own knife and cut it up into half, okay? Don't be afraid to get in there. And I can't remember what tip I'm on, but this is another really good bonus one that I think is relevant to not only the holiday season, but all year round, folks, okay? Don't deprive yourself or make arbitrary rules. There's a difference between creating boundaries and not going crazy and overeating a bunch of crap, but when you deprive yourself and make rules just because some Instagram influencer said that you shouldn't eat potatoes or whatever it is, well, it's kind of like the forbidden fruit. These rules just accelerate cravings and binge eating. So if you ever say something like, oh, I'm not going to eat any sugar for a whole week just to go crazy with a tub of ice cream after the week is over, that's a great example. So instead of making rules or giving yourself uh, or, you know, instead of creating rules or making it impossible for you to enjoy anything, give yourself permission to eat whatever you want. Oddly, this makes food less tempting, one of the weird paradoxes of eating. It's just like the forbidden fruit, like I said. If you can't have it, then you're going to want it more, and the more you resist, the more you want it. Then, when you finally break, which, spoiler alert, you always do, instead of having a normal portion, you end up eating way more than you need. Actively choose to eat more healthy foods. Put the emphasis on what you should be eating more of throughout the day, either at the meals before the event or at the actual event, so that you fuel up and feel more empowered to moderately enjoy treats and nutrient void snacks like chips, popcorn, dip, cookies, desserts, and you don't leave the party feeling gross. And remember, in any situation, Unless it's by some freak accident that you die on the way home or in your sleep, this isn't the last thing you're ever going to eat, right? You'll have other opportunities to eat again. And I'm sorry to get morbid, morbid. I just know that there's always that guy that's like, well, what if you die on the way home from the party? Okay, well, then you die and you're not even going to be thinking about the brownie sundae that you left behind you, right? You can always eat again. This isn't the last time you're going to enjoy food just because it's there and it's free and someone made it in love and they want you to eat it doesn't mean you have to, right? Choose what's worth it. Don't be afraid to say no. And remember this last little bit as I wrap up this episode. Remember the power of self-discipline and telling yourself no. It's not always easy and it's not comfortable. But on the other side of challenges and the feeling of being uncomfortable always lies greater rewards. So if you need some help, some motivation, support, and accountability for this upcoming holiday season, I encourage you to apply for that daily accountability program, DAP. Again, that address is nutritionawareness.com backslash coaching. Scroll to the bottom and you'll see that application. You can read some testimonials. Free to apply and we'll reach out and help you out this October, November, December, and of course, January. All right, guys, I'm going to sign off. I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, 